Hi, welcome to the Ending Your Binge Eating Podcast. This is Rashonda Yates. I recovered from binge eating, lost 50 pounds and kept it off for two years. Now I'm sharing my stories to help you end your binge eating once and for all. And this episode is part two of my recovery story. So in the last episode, I talked about my early childhood and took you a little bit into my college years. And then we're picking up from there. Um, and I'm going to share with you about my first binge that I can remember and just what happened with that. So let's go ahead and dive in. This episode is brought to you by my three-part mini series, How to Stop a Binge Before It Starts. It's a three-part training delivered straight to your inbox in bite-sized chunks, less than 10 minutes that will help you to move through cravings without giving into them. You can grab that at sendfox.com slash Rashonda Yates. Okay, so in the last episode, I talked about well, where I left off was really about my college years and how I had started to develop a habit of um, associating food with, you know, fun and started doing things that I wasn't proud of, like stealing food from my roommate and things like that, that really pointed to having a disordered relationship with food. And so I'm going to skip forward to by now, um, I would have gone through my bachelor's degree, and even started my master's program. And I actually ended up um, taking a break. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, So now I am a teacher, and pretty new teacher, um, not teaching for very long, and working in a school where I felt very overwhelmed. And my weight started creeping up during this year. Um, my clothes started to fit tighter. Um, I thought that, okay, I need to, you know, go on a diet. And so I tried Weight Watchers. Now, you know, the fact that I was eating and my weight was creeping up, I had been using food to comfort myself because of how I was feeling out of control and overwhelmed. Um, but up until now, up until the story I'm about to tell you, I don't remember actually binge eating. Um, and I believe from what I'm being able to put together that the binge eating didn't start until I started doing this program, this Weight Watchers program. Um, so, and I know Weight Watchers is very different today. So I'm not saying this is not a anti Weight Watchers thing. Um But anyway, so I tried Weight Watchers and I felt very, very restricted because I was going from, you know, eating whatever I wanted, basically, to trying to control my food. Um, And when I say eating whatever I wanted, I just I just mean that, like, I didn't have um, it wasn't like I was just completely allowing myself to eat anything I wanted. It was more so that I had I had no rules about like what kinds of food I could eat or not. Whereas with Weight Watchers, I started to incorporate very strict rules in comparison. So like I was only eating things that were, you know, low fat or I was eating Weight Watchers approved foods. Um, and I was very, I got very, very um, 
granular and very specific, I guess, about, you know, tracking and stuff like that. So it was a very abrupt change, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But anyway, there's one day in particular that I can remember. And I had at the time my planning, teachers get a half hour planning typically, And I had my lunch, which was also half an hour, and I had them back to back. So I had an entire hour off, um, whereas most teachers get like a half hour here and a half hour there. Um, And this was not a good thing for me (laughs) because what it allowed me to do was basically go off campus for lunch easily. And so I went, I remember going to McDonald's and I ordered, I think, like three value meals. And I ordered like a dessert at the time they had these like brownie cookie things. I can't remember what they were exactly, but like I ordered that and, you know, um, a drink and like even now I'm starting to feel like lethargic even thinking about it because (laughs) I ate all this food in my car and I immediately went to sleep. So that was the first time I can remember really having a binge and you know, I went to sleep in my car and I remember thinking that that wasn't a good thing. Like that wasn't something I wanted to repeat. Right. And, but I did repeat it. <laughs> um, it was something that I did, I think, to distract myself from how I was feeling at school, how I was feeling just about my life at that time and how I wasn't enjoying my work. I wasn't doing a good job. um, And I didn't know how to address those things and to change them. Um, I didn't know how to, yeah, turn the situation around. And instead of figuring that out, I actually avoided it. I actually numbed myself and just distracted myself from those feelings. So that really set up a pattern that went on for the next 10 years. I started isolating myself a bit. Um, There were times when I would get invitations, for example, to hang out with um, social groups, um, going outings, movies and stuff. And I would actually opt to stay home by myself and watch TV and and eat um, because I felt safer. For whatever reason, I used to feel like I was different than everyone else and very uncomfortable in social environments, even though looking back, I was very likable, very well liked. You know, I did get a lot of invitations to go out and I, you know, looking back, I had a story of people don't really like me that much. You know, people don't really care what I have to say. I'm not really that interesting. Um, Don't know where those stories came from. um, Because, again, looking back, a lot of people wanted to be friends with me and gave me invitations. But I found myself turning them down more and more increasingly. And, you know, over time, I would basically create a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I was also really delusional about trying to lose weight first, for whatever reason. The more I think about it, the more I realize that I was just going from diet to diet. But um, 
up until recently, I had a story that I was never really one for fad diets. Um, I, which is totally delusional because I was literally jumping from one thing to the next looking for the perfect diet that would make me lose weight. And I thought that if I lost weight, that life would be great. <laughs> so my weight would go up and down and then gradually, um, go, well, my weight would go down and then gradually go back up. And over time, it was a net gain, meaning each time I went back up, I went higher than I'd ever been before. I kept um, increasing my peak weight. So I eventually went back to school to complete my master's degree. So I mentioned that my master's degree had been interrupted um, where I took some time off. Well, what happened was I got so consumed by my, by this point, what had become an addictive behavior. So by this point, I had a full blown binging pattern of, you know, um, binging on a lot of food, feeling ashamed of it, deciding that I was never going to do it again, um, stopping for a period of time and controlling it for a period of time, but then going back to it again over and over and over again. And, you know, it was everything had come to a head by this point where, you know, I was uh, taking food from other people, um, being dishonest in that, you know, around food. Um, I was choosing food over things that were important to me, such as practice. I was a music student at the time. And I was also neglecting studying. So what ended up happening, and I'll, man, I'll never forget this because I remember the desperation that I felt, but I ended up doing, we had something called juries. If you are in school for performance um, or music at all, then you'll be familiar, familiar with this. You, you have to take basically an exam, but it's a playing exam. You have to actually perform music. And, you know, I completely botched it. I It was horrible. <laughs> it was terrible because I hadn't been practicing. And I tried to, pra- to cram all my practice for the jury into a very short amount of time, basically trying to, you know, cram it. And you, you just can't do that. It, it has to be consistent. And secondly, you know, I went and took my exams and I remember... I remember like it was yesterday, I went to my medieval music history um, final. I know that sounds like so much fun, right? (laughs) And I sat down and I looked at the page and I drew a complete blank. I knew not one single answer on the exam. And I put my name on it and I remember bringing the test up and I was the first person done because I hadn't put a single answer down. I handed it in blank. And I remember my professor just looking at me with this very strange look on his face. And I remember feeling very numb and very um, almost like cold. Um, It's like I wasn't really feeling it. I wasn't, it was like I was very distant, not really in my body almost. I can't, it's hard to describe. And I remember just thinking, you know, if I can't remember anything 
for my test, I might as well just go make money. And I remember going and um, working the a part-time job that I had at the time working in a bookstore on campus. So I just went to work. And I had the same experience with three other exams where I didn't, I just didn't know the material. I didn't do well. I completely, like, I should have flunked out. You know, the truth is those teachers took great pity on me. Um, And to give you a little bit more context, um, I think that part of the reason why they gave me a break is, you know, I, I did have a very rough semester that semester. Um, that was, um, there was a time when my mom was, had gone into the hospital and she, she had had a cancer diagnosis, um, a few years before that. And that semester we almost lost her. And I think that my professors really took that into consideration looking back because all of them gave me a chance to recover. So basically, instead of failing me, they actually gave me incompletes. And um, one person even just gave me a C for the semester, even though I I don't think that I actually earned it because my final, that's a huge part of your grade. So I don't think that I would have passed by getting a zero on my final. Um, So I think that they really... um just took mercy on me, you know, and helped me out at that time. And, you know, later on, I did go back and finish and I finished with a vengeance, you know, I, I, I returned to school, but, um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later too, but that was a very, very dark time in my life. And I was using food to get through it, um, basically to not face it. I was using food to not face everything that was happening in my life. And, you know, there, there was a lot that was going on that was heavy and that I didn't want to deal with. I didn't want to face it. I decided to not face it, you know, because that seemed easier to me at the time. So when I went back to finish my master's, um, I was by this time, very entrenched in the patterns that I had, but they basically, they didn't have the impact that they would eventually have. It was like, I delayed that impact by going home, um, you know, and taking a break for a few years when I, you know, pretty much flunked out of school. Um, <clears throat> And by the way, it had a, like, the other thing about this is that I was spending all of my money on food. And so I was completely mismanaging my money and had, I really couldn't pay my rent. (laughs) And so I'd gotten to a point where it was like me and my roommate, we were planning on moving, but I couldn't swing my part of the rent. And I was like, man, uh, what do I do? And I remember hearing this voice, like, you know what, you, you need to just go home. And so I did. And I went back and lived at home and worked for the next few years. And I really think that by going home, I stopped myself from feeling the full 
um, impact of the choices that I was making and the behaviors I was exhibiting, because basically that, that what happened, um, what would happen that basically hitting rock bottom, I think that that was delayed. I hope this is making sense. And I, I also want to acknowledge that like some of what I'm talking about, I may be jumping around a little bit, um, but I'm trying to make the overall point that there was a lot of troubles going on in my life that I wasn't facing and the way that I dealt with them was to eat over them and that it was really disruptive to my life on every level. It affected my goals. It affected my school. It affected my relationships. It reflected my finances. And it was basically completely taking away from the overall quality of my life and taking me away from what I wanted in life. Like in my mind, I had these dreams of what I wanted. I saw what I wanted and I had a path to get there. And yet I was not following the path because I was too distracted by trying to keep myself from feeling anything. You know, I didn't want to feel pain. I didn't want to feel struggle. I didn't want to feel discomfort of any kind. I didn't want to put myself out there. I didn't want to be in any situation that was scary for me. And I just kept turning away from that. Like at some point, it just became habitual for me to avoid any uncomfortable feelings. And so this is what I was dealing with. And it was really having um, a severe um, impact, a destructive, severe impact on my life. And, you know, looking back, um, I recognize how fortunate I was to have a strong support system of my parents who were married for 30 years until my mom did pass away in 2011. Um, They had, you know, a stable home that I returned to several times as I battled my problems with compulsive behaviors. And I can look back in hindsight now that I'm free of it and see how close I truly was to being destitute. And I can see the patterns and connections now that I couldn't see at the time. In 2012, I went back to teaching um, in an inner city school. And this is when, um, my behaviors. So in 2012, I had graduated from, I, you know, I went back, um, to finish my master's in 2010. And in 2011, I graduated. And then in 2012, I started this school, started teaching at this school. Um, and it was even more stressful than that school that I had taught in several years earlier. Um, and I started fantasizing about eating during my school day, during the teaching day. And as soon as I got out of school, I would go and run and get fast food. And I got into this pattern of coming home after work and binge eating on chicken fingers, fries, ice cream, and watching Netflix. So again, (laughs) That same pattern that I started in middle school coming back yet again. And, you know, it's something that um, became a very strong association of like getting to the end of my day, coming home and binging and watching TV. So, but this time it was even worse because at the time, um, so I'd come home um, 
when my mom got really sick, I came home to help take care of her. And literally that, like the next day she passed away and I ended up just staying. I stayed home because I was in Texas at the time and I moved back to Louisiana. And I was, so I ended up living with my dad and getting that teaching job. And so I had, you know, very low overhead. I was paying him a very small f- amount of money for rent. And I was making a salary now from teaching and it was the most money I'd ever made at the time. And um, so basically it was the same pattern except worse. Instead of cartoons, it was House of Cards, you know, but I had a ton more money on hand to like buy food. And so even though I was making more money, I still was not saving money. I still was not um, doing, I wasn't, improving myself. I wasn't making any progress. So basically I was still in the same place, if not worse off, because not only was I still doing the same patterns, but I had a lot more opportunity to do those patterns. And I was slowly chipping away at my health and my self-confidence. So I was really kind of digging myself into a hole. And I remember feeling really disgusted with myself during that time. Um, Feeling very uh, useless and apathetic and very insecure about my appearance and my weight. My my weight ballooned so quickly that a child from my school rubbed my belly asking if I was pregnant. <laughs> and I felt, you know, I just felt so embarrassed. I felt like I was failing at everything, teaching being successful, losing weight. And I eventually got fired from that job, which only gave me further evidence of all of this. And so that's kind of where things were and how things were going. Um, I eventually took another job um, where you know, it was it was a less stressful job, but I still have the same patterns. At that point, they'd become entrenched habits. And what I would ultimately learn is that it had nothing to do with the stress that I was feeling. It was like how I was dealing with it. That was the problem the entire time. And we're going to get into that um, in the coming episodes. But what I want to say now is because I got into some really heavy emotions and I really went back to a lot of the things that I was feeling that you may be experiencing right now today. And you might be identifying with all of this and the emotions that I described and the behaviors that I described. And I want to end on a positive note. <laughs> and I want to say that, you know, what what my life is like now is nothing like my life was like then. I now feel free. I feel free when it comes to food, when it comes to being able to choose what is in alignment with my values. And this is possible for you too. Um, I remember feeling like I would struggle with that for the rest of my life. I thought that that was just an inevitability, that I would always struggle with it. And I've learned that it's just not so, that things can change. And that's why this is so important for me to share with you. And 
why I chose to go into that past story, even though it was painful to share the time, because I believe that if you have that same struggle that you're going through now, you may be feeling hopeless as well. You may be thinking, oh my God, you know, this is going to be something I struggle with for the rest of my life. So that's why I'm sharing it. Um, and I want to share with you that there is hope. Um, since I once believed that it was impossible and now I'm standing here telling you that I did it, I hope that that, sh- that, that shows you that even if it feels impossible, that doesn't mean that that's true. So, all right, I'm going to wrap up this episode now with that. Um, in the next um, couple of episodes, we're going to be getting more into the solution. Um, so it's two more episodes, and then that'll be the end of this series. Be sure to grab your free video training if you want to have me coaching you through cravings. You can get that at sinfox.com slash Rashonda Yates. I will catch you next time on the Ending Your Binge Eating Podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have gained any value from this episode or from the podcast in general, then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes. It is such a big help. It helps me to reach more people. And If you did gain any insights, I would love to hear your takeaways and how you're implementing these tools. Over on Instagram, you can follow me at Rashonda Yates and send me a DM and let me know what you are using, what you're taking away from the episode, what your ahas are, things that you're seeing differently. I love having conversations with you over there. And until next time, I'll catch you on an episode, on on another episode. Bye.